is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. The Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello everybody and welcome to a special review episode, as the name suggests, of, of the Rams Review Podcast. And uh, we're here to talk about the East Midlands derby yesterday that unfortunately finished 1-1. But there was enough to talk about, and uh, we'll we'll be doing that over the next uh, forty-five minutes to an hour. Joined as always by Corey. Corey, good morning to you. How are you doing, Jason? Good afternoon to you as well. Um, I'm doing well. Just got up, uh, had some time to to chew and think over the the game yesterday. So it should be a should be an interesting discussion with with plenty of talking points for what when you look at the scoreline might suggest a mundane one-one, but it was anything but, in my opinion. Yeah, I actually do. I, I I'd agree with that, and. Yeah, I, th- I think it was a bit better than the scoreline possibly suggested. Uh, but of course, we have to have um, a red persuasion on, on this episode as well. And uh, returning guest, we've got George, who's a writer and editor for Snack Media and the host of the NFCC pod. George, how are we doing, mate? Yeah, not bad. Better than I thought it would be. A um, bit relieved, but yeah, can't, can't, can't grumble really. Yourself? Good, yeah, well... Yeah, uh, as I mentioned just before, um, off air, Derby have to take everything they can get. They should have taken all three, probably. But hey, we'll 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 go into by the that end of the by detail. the end of this transfer window, uh, uh, international window, they may need that extra point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. And we've also got a, a returning podcast, but in, but not a return. It's a it's a new guest. Um, we've got Stephen from the eighteen sixty five Forest Ramble. Stephen, how are we doing? Yeah, very well. Um, feeling better after the second half yesterday. I was sort of fearing the worst after the, the first 45, but luckily Forrest pulled it back and uh, yeah, I'll take the points after that one. Yeah, I think it was, a bit, it was a bit disappointing, Jason, because I had a needle here because I was going to remind George and Stephen <laughs> what a point looked like. But yeah, well, they have one now. So no, 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 they, they, my, my thing went out the window, my problem. <laughs> They play Derby County with the most generous team at giving giving points away so far this season, I think. But no, I mean, where do we where do we start? Yeah, one one would suggest it wasn't all that entertaining. And I suppose in chan, you know, clear cut chances there wasn't all that many. But there was there was a bit of usual, as in every EFL Championship game, lads. There was controversy. There was poor refereeing decisions. Um, for, for both teams, which you know we, we're going to go into, and I suppose when you when you tot all that up, a draws on reflection probably probably a fair result. But let's let's go into it. And something that I certainly would I missed because uh, it was at the opposite end of the pitch to where I sit. Um, having looked at the replay, the first moment of note, Corey um, was Craig Forsyth forgetting that he meant to put his feet on the grass, not into somebody's crutch, which. I have, I have to say, for me, is is an absolute blatant red card. And obviously, not the first decision that the uh, the officials missed yesterday, but it, it, that's an absolute stonewall red card. Yeah, I think I think when I saw it live, I thought, yeah, it was a red. And then you see the replay, and every time you see the replay, it just looks worse. And I've heard people say, well, where are you supposed to put his foot and whatever? I mean, he put it down with some force on the guy's nether regions, which. Yeah. I mean, Zinkernagel was lucky to continue because those those are those are aluminum studs. Um, and I think if that was in the Premier League, uh, obviously you'd had VAR, uh, and I think that he would have gone. So thankfully, there's no VAR in the EFL. Could you imagine a world in which there's VAR in the EFL? I mean, Jesus, games would last like four hours because they'd be reviewing every decision. It'd be insane. But yeah, for me, red card for Craig Forsyth. I mean, I think Fozzie had a bit of a strange game for me because he. We played well in fits and starts. Obviously, had the amazing goal, the amazing ball for for Tom Lawrence's goal. Um, but there was a time where he looked a little unhinged, uh, like they had fed him red meat, wound him up, not fed him for a week, and then just like just go get him, you know. And you can get some food afterward. 
Um, but yeah, I think the, the red card doesn't look good. Um, I don't, I don't think the EFL can go back and the EFL can go back and take action for violent conduct, I believe. So yeah. I would believe that they might actually take a look at that because of the nature of that. Um, especially the region that it was in for the, for the players. So hopefully Zinkernagel was okay. I'm surprised there wasn't lasting damage and he was able to continue the full game, but, but yeah, definitely, definitely looked like a, a red card. George, from your view in the press box, similar, similar sentiments. I mean, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, I personally couldn't see it, first and foremost. So when I watched it back on Sky, I mean, it was funny because um, Paul Taylor, one of my friends and journalist for Athletic, he tweeted that it was a fair challenge. I think he got a bit of stick afterwards because um, looking back after, and that's that's the job of having no replays, you know, that's what it is. But no, it's, it's one of them ones, you know, as you said, VAR, if I was in the championship, would have been red card. But similarly, I don't want VAR in a championship because I just don't like VAR and the way it kind of takes the, you know, you know, referees aren't human at the end of the day and they are going to make mistakes and it's probably impossible to see it in human time. But it's just Sod's law that Forsyth was the one who then put Lawrence through on goal. But as you said, um, you know, ultimately they cancelled each other out, uh, the decisions in the end. I think you go, might go on to it, but maybe Worrell could have um, given away a penalty for handball later on, which Rooney was fuming about after the game. But um, yeah, Zinkenagel's knackers, or Zinkenagel's knackers must have been uh, knackered. So that's, there's, there's a good one to say after 10 tequila or so. But um, yeah, it, it was a impossible one to call. And um, our player, Gaetan Bong, got um, a free match ban for slapping the commentary player in, in the start of the season. So I would be surprised if the FA don't come back and see that. But, you know, we can't do anything about it now. And it didn't really matter too much in the end thankfully because um it would have been a few unhappy fans Stephen, from the from the away end at pride park um was it i mean obviously you're going to see sense here and say that it wasn't a red card uh your, your thoughts your thoughts on that incident when you go back and look at the 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 close in replay um first of all if you're watching on sky the first angle you you don't see perhaps the intent Behind it, it looks accidental as he's stepping backwards, Forsyth, and putting his foot down. But if you look at the the replay from a different angle, you almost see he looks behind him to see where Zinkanagel is, and then he brings his foot down. So um, I thought it was yeah, blatant, blatant stamp, and it, it should have been a red card really by by rights. And I think what George has just mentioned there, I wonder if the EFL will go back now and 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 bring a retrospect, uh, retrospective ban in, in the same way that Gaitan Bong was banned for three games for an incident which wasn't picked up by the cameras on the TV live. It was something that was reviewed in footage afterwards. So that might be the only, the, the sort of punishment that comes after that is Dobby won't have him available for the next three games. Jason, there was an incident that stuck out to me that wasn't referee related um, because we're going to talk about the other referee related incidents in a minute. But there was a situation in the first half where Lyle Taylor could have chipped the keeper and let Force go in one nil, and he he fluffed his lines off of a poor um, poor distribution from Kellarus. Yeah, that that good old tippy tappy football that we thought we'd got rid of, but then decided to bring back. And I'm I'm still not quite convinced. Um, does does anybody t- else get deathly scared of Kellarus's distribution? at times because he doesn't look comfortable with the ball at his feet. People are closing him down. It almost happened to the Peterborough game where he got nicked in. I mean, his distribution one, my opinion was not great yesterday. And two, he no. just terrifies me with the ball at his feet. It's like, come on, dude, just no, no, no. And then he just, yeah, it's just not great. But that, that was a, that was a poor, poor effort yesterday. And, and Darby were lucky to get away with one there. He, he, he reminds me of the monk from Mean Machine where he goes just on his dancing runs and then usually loses the ball. But yeah, um, it, it was. It's obviously it's this way that we want to play. But I must admit, I mean, in the first half, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on it two or three times, Forrest allowed Derby to do it. Other than the first five minutes, I thought Forrest absolutely raced out the blocks. Um, as you said, could have quite happily have probably scored. And then you've got the stamp incident. And then we'll talk about the goal, first goal in a minute, which obviously really did turn turn the, the complexion of the next 20, 30 minutes. But yeah, I thought Forrest started well. Um, I thought Derby looked a bit shaky, actually, at the back to start off with. Um, and it, it took them a minute to to grow into the game. And probably the goal, I mean, guys, you'll, you'll be able to answer this better from a Forrest perspective than me. But I think, you know, a goal in a derby in the first 10 minutes 
if you're not too careful, if we've, as Forrest have seen it at Pride Park before, it, you can find yourself two, three nil down within the next five, 10 minutes. If, if they don't step back, if they don't regroup, which for me felt like that's what Forrest were doing a little bit. I mean, I know that there's, there's, that's a contentious point at the moment with the way that Hewton's got Forrest playing, but that, that's how it felt for me. That goal went in, it, it did not Forrest a little bit and they had to sit back and retreat a little bit and try and try and soak a little bit more of, of, of it up. Um, but I think we we said it, Corey, on our preview. You know, if if Forest if Forest came at Derby, Derby would be struggling because they're they're aged. Um, I was surprised by one or two of the selection from Forest. I'm, again, you guys might might disagree with that. It might be what you fully expected. But from from looking at it the other way, uh, you know, the pace of my turn and you know appreciate grabbing and the age that grabbing is, but still, I mean, I'd be having him on the pitch week in, week out personally, just because of his experience. Lyle Taylor put himself about, but other than, as you say there, Corey, that, that uh, it was a glaring miss. There's no doubt about that. Um, I don't really remember him doing too much else in the game. Um, as you say that um, the challenge on Zinkenagel, I think he was a player that I know, a lot goes through for, and obviously when he's just taken one there, he's, 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 his thoughts probably not on the game for the rest of it. I'll, I'll give him his due there. I, I think he was a bit quiet. Obviously he had that first shot in the first half, but I think that was before he got stamped on. So um, yeah, I can, I can give him, uh, there's an excuse for that there, I think. But the goal did come. And as we say, I mean, Corey, that's the first time we've seen Derby play um, a raking 50-yard ball like that. Um, caught Forrest on the counter. And for me, obviously, sat in the south stand, fully expected the official's flag to go up. Didn't look, look for the world that he was offside. Actually, on replays, he's not. He, he clearly was onside, uh, which is, you know, nice. And from somebody leading the line who's not an out-and-out striker, but that's what we had to do, um, he took his finish well, Corey, a captain's finish. He did. And he, and he, and, you know, you can see by the celebration how much it meant to him. But yeah, I think one thing that stands out to me watching a lot of EFL games is how many EFL players can play a 50 yard ball to feet and, and during one game. And it's, it's not many, not many balls go to feet in one game. Most of them go out into touch or just hapless, but yeah, this was the one, this was the one opportunity and, and Forsyth plays that nice ball in and, you know, Lawrence just had the pace enough to get ahead of, I think it, I'm not sure who it was. I think it maybe it was Worrell uh, or Guy Timbong, and he was just able to, to pop it in near post. First of all, I would say poor, maybe slightly Brees Semba beating at his near post is, uh, you know, positioning's probably not great there. You can kind of see Brees Semba's not in the form that he was last season or the season before that. And why Ethan Horvath is making the move, uh, making a potentially an opportunity. We'll have potentially an opportunity to start for Forrest. But yeah, I mean, he took the goal well in front of the South Stand, which I think is obviously going to raise the crowd up. But, you know, overall, I thought Darby played very well in that first half and fits and starts. And you saw some of the link play and you saw some of the slick passing moves that, that you know, they wanted to. I think they're trying to want to instill in this team. Um, you know, Jozwiak thought, you know, he's been criti- he's been criticized a lot recently by a lot of the Darby fans. I think he played very well. Um, Lawrence did well until his like leg just completely just did would not work anymore. He just fell over. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he took his, he took his goal. Well, he finished well and, and he, uh, he played very well in fits and starts. He was giving Forrest, he was giving Forrest, um, problems. He looked like a lively player and it looked like the Tom Lawrence that Darby needs week in and week out. And if he plays like that week in and week out for Darby County, Darby will be in a much better position because we've been saying this for years, Jason, I've been saying this is that Tom Lawrence is one of Darby's most influential players and most important players. Tom Lawrence just doesn't show up every week. That's why he's in the championship because he's got all the skills and abilities and the talent to be playing at the lower end of the premier league. But there's a reason why he's in the championship. And if he can play like that week in and week out, he'll get a move. Darby will be better for it as well. Um, and ever it's a win-win for everybody, but unfortunately that hopefully that's not Tom's like one good performance until like December. Mm. Well, you never know, but I, yeah, I have to, and obviously, I want, sorry, Jason, George, I want to get George and Steve. I want to get um, your take on it. Steve, Bree Samba, his positioning for that goal. Should he, should he have kept that out? Yeah, it's, it's that old rule of the goalkeepers near post. He gets caught out and the ball goes underneath him and he's not quite in the right position and almost like he can't get his hand down to it. And I think it, a Bree Samba of it 12, 18 months ago would have, been in position to stop that ball going in and uh, I mean you 
give credit to, to Lawrence as well for taking the shot on. You don't score if you, you don't try those opportunities. But I think Samba there does need to look back at that and feel a bit disappointed with the way he's let that one in. Um, and another, actually, with, with Lawrence as well, he had two opportunities, one in the first half one and also one in the second, where he forced a save from Samba. But on both occasions, Samba palmed it straight back into the middle of the box. And if there was a Derby player, somebody lurking there, that could have been two goals and and very easy tap-ins for a Derby player. That's something that Samba's also been criticised for. When he's when he's saving shots, he's almost palming them straight back to the attackers or straight back to his defenders in front of goal, and they've got to scramble to clear it. So I do wonder what will happen with him if if Horvath is given the opportunity in, in league games, particularly after the international break. Uh, because so far in the league copies, he's been pretty solid and hasn't let us down. George, do you have similar feelings to Steve? And, and what's going on with Bree Samba's turn of poor form here? Um, I mean, in fairness, Samba's been a, a bit of a divisive, divisive figure amongst Forest fans for a while. I mean, you know, the, it's fair, his first two seasons at Forest, his, his stats have been fantastic. He's... I think it's 13 clean sheets first year when they just missed out on playoffs. And the second year it was 14 clean sheets, which Forrest did terrible last year. So he's a very, very good shot stopper. Very, you know, he, he don't, he's never really let Forrest down. The only thing that has let him down is his almost erratic nature or, you know, he's very much seen as a pantomime villain at times. You know, he can be, want to be the hero too much, um, which again, confidence in a footballer is never a bad thing. I would never want a player to not be confident, but you know, um, last week against Blackburn and he did this last season as well, he came out for a cross and completely missed it. And he, to be fair, didn't probably need to come out for a cross on, on replays. So, and then Blackburn go and score a late winner. Um, you know, yesterday I thought he could have done a lot better with Lawrence's goal as Stephen and you were saying, um, and I think it was the first half where, as Steve was saying again, he parried it straight to Forsyth and I think Forsyth had it blocked by Gabriel and that could have been 2-0 after half an hour in game set and match. So I don't know. And I think this summer they had to bring in a backup for him and Horvath, in fairness, has been fantastic in the two League Cup games. I know he conceded four the night against Wolves, but it could have literally been seven or eight without him. Um, so maybe after the international break, we'll see Horvath can be given his chance, but I don't get the feeling that Samba will want to stay and be second choice because that's something he's not really had to do ever since he joined Forest. So um, an interesting one. And I think it's one that will continue to divide Forest fans. I think, I think for me with the goal, I, I think Samba's caught in two minds into which corner that Tom Lawrence has, has put in it. And I think from, from that position where it is, I think your, your natural finish is going across the goalkeeper. And I, Obviously, then he does tuck it in that corner. But if Lawrence saw a step, or if it is bad positioning from from Samba, I'm not really, you know, obviously wasn't really paying attention to where the goalkeeper was. I was waiting for the net to ripple. But uh, well, actually, I was waiting for it to come near Row Z where I sit. But uh, in the end, he, he managed to get it actually on target, which was nice. But looking at it from a replay point of view, I think he's expecting him to go across goal, which yeah, I think eight eight times out of ten you probably do do that. So. Um, not the only goal in that game uh, with a questionable goalkeeping position, which I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll go on to in a little minute. But for me, that next 15, 20 minutes, obviously the South State, I was I was in the South Stand. It was, it was a fantastic occasion. Obviously, the Forest fans went very, very quiet. But I think at that point, the game went very, very quiet. It, it felt like Forest were in the shell and they weren't coming out. Derby, whilst there was some nice nice play in the middle there was nothing really penetrative which Corey we've obviously blasted on about for for months you know and it showed at times yesterday that Derby didn't have actually a recognized striker on the pitch um and I thought by about the I turned around to the lads I was with after about 25 30 minutes I went game's gone flat and Derby it felt like they took the foot off the gas a little bit as if to go, well, this is all we've got to compete against, you know, reserve energy or, or whatever it was. And it, as it ticked into half time, I think even in the last, let's say the last five, 10 minutes, this, uh, the first half for me was a little, was was just not, was not great from a team one nil up, fully expect, and you're at home, fully expect a, a bit more of a push. You know, it's not like you've got another game on Monday or another game on Tuesday. You, this is your last game for 13 days or whatever it is, you know, you put yourself out there and, for whatever reason, uh, Dobby Dobby failed to do that, and 
whilst they had, as you mentioned there, George, you know, there, there was a couple of other opportunities. Um, solid defending uh, is is pretty much what it was. But it got to that half-time whistle and it was like, same old, we've been in this position practically every game so far this season. We've we've gone in front, could easily have had two, if not three. And as we'll go on to discuss in a minute, the second half, we we, we normally... We normally rue the missed missed opportunities, don't we, Corey? We do, and the game the game was kind of old a bit, Jason. You're right there. I think Derby were playing as much as Forest were allowing to play, and I, I was a bit disappointed in Forest as well because I'd been hearing all week, oh, Chris Hutton's pragmatic and pragmatic and whatever. And I know his job's on the line, and there's a lot of discussion, and I want to get Jordan Steve's opinion on that. But Forest were just letting Derby play. Forest were just letting Derby be Derby. They weren't really putting him under any pressure, and the game had had a little bit of a lull until. Joe Worrell decides to uh, play handball in the penalty area for some for some bizarre reason, and I I watched the Liverpool Chelsea game yesterday, and you saw Reese James's handball, which was which was different, which was different. But you saw the appeals from the players, and then before that game, obviously Derby was on, and I was watching, it and I was like, you very rarely see like seven players massively appeal to the referee with such vehemence, and they see it, and I mean, it hits Joe Worrell's hand. Jason, you were in the south stand. Um, from your perspective, when you saw it live, what did you make of it? Yeah, he, for me, he threw, he threw himself at the ball, which is, you know, you see that a lot with defending. And obviously, since the rules come in about arms in unnatural positions, I mean, you the ball's coming at that high. And the amount of times you see in other games where they, they throw their chest towards it and it bounces off a shoulder or, or something like that, for me, you know, I, I wouldn't be putting myself in in that position to have that decision made, you know, have that decision made by the ref. I mean, the ref had a pretty torrid game, I thought, all, all the whole 90 minutes. But for me, I don't see how it's not. I, I'll, I, I certainly don't mind criticising the decision when it's against Derby. Forsyth should have been sent off. I just don't see how it's not a penalty, uh, in, in honest opinion. Tip for tat, one for one. You know, we didn't get a man sent off, so we don't get a penalty, whatever. You know, that, that's fine. And as we've mentioned, they do kind of even themselves out. But for me, the officials have missed one. That doesn't mean then that the next actual decision that they see that's incorrect, that they don't have to give it because, oh, we're trying to even one out. That's that's not that fair. It, if it's a penalty, it's, you know, it's a penalty. And I don't think there can be many complaints. I really don't. George, I'm going to bring you in a minute and then Steve about the same incident. But the thing I noticed about watching it, the replay several times and the ref was making his decision, is the I don't think Robinson saw it because he kept weirdly blinking, like like a, one of these like squinty blinks, like there was sun in his eyes or the sweat was rolling in his eyes. So I'm not sure he exactly saw this. And I'm not, you know, this is not like a vendetta of, oh, well, whatever. But it was just like a thing from like being a human, right? You sweat a lot. It runs into your eyes. You're like, oh, man. And I don't I'm not exactly sure if he saw it or not. And then he kind of like made his decision. It was like, yeah, it's not George handball, no handball penalty. Obviously, it was no penalty. Thoughts on the incident? I mean, I'm not saying this just to be is it on the fence, but admittedly, I've not seen a replay yet. Um, however, as you said, um, you know, you don't appeal that. I mean, I suppose you do in some cases, but you don't often see that many players and that amount of coaching staff looked that incensed. And after the game, I was obviously in Rooney's press conference. And to be fair to Rooney, I thought he might have been a bit more, how do I put this, a Manchester United player in a sense of the appeal for everything. But he was very, very fair in his personal press conference. He was saying he didn't see the force off one, but if he stumped him, that's fair. He's got to you know, be punished. He didn't see, he, he played another incident down. But he, the one thing he was sure about was that I was a ball. And I remember him saying, if the referee can't see it, then there's four officials or three officials on the pitch who all probably got a good angle of it. You know, the, the chance of them having a, a good angle of it between four of them is quite high. And they've all got headsets, so why didn't they communicate? Which, to be fair to him, is quite true. Um, I mean, I, I said, I've not seen a replay back. I would have to look at it back. But if what you're saying, I mean, if he did throw it and he stuck an arm out, you know, it was quite it was quite close range, I suppose, but probably enough to not, you know, if you leave your arm out in a precarious position and it hits you, then you've got really got any arguments. So, um I mean, really wasn't happy and probably got a point, to be fair, if you've seen the replay back. Steve, do you, do you feel the same way or do you feel that it was a fair decision? I think we got away with one there. When you look at the replay back, you can see that Worrell's arm moves towards the ball and there's a, there's a motion there that uh, it, it suggests he's trying to almost swat it away a little bit. So um, I can understand why the Derby players and Rooney were 
were upset by that one. Um, if that was at the other end, I'd obviously be screaming for Forrest to be given the penalty and handball. So, yeah, I think we did 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 escape there a little bit. And then Jason, we go into half time. Um, game comes out in the second half, and you were you were perfectly placed, Jason, for the for the South Stand because most of the action was down there. But I want to talk about an incident in the other end of the field that towards happened. I'm going to break this. I'm going to break this up chronologically here and go towards the end of the game. And uh, I'm not sure it was. I think it was Joe Worrell. I think he decided to try to trade shirts with uh, Curtis Davis, maybe 15 minutes too early there. Because I mean, there's pulling a shirt, and then there's like literally just like, ooh, that Derby shirt looks really nice. I think I want one of those. And I think he went with the latter there. Oh yeah, I mean, without question. Thing is, the ball wasn't in play, so no no decision can can be. So given. basically, you can do whatever you want. Then I could like run up and just sucker punch well, Bree Samba and be like, "He's down. Play the ball now, and it's okay." Yeah, I know, I know. It, it, it's one of those very grey areas, isn't it? In you know, they have the rules in the Premier League. Slightly the grey area, Jason, is the side of my hair watching <laughs> Darby and Forest. That's the grey area. But yeah, it's one of those it, weird ones. It is. It is. I mean, you, you see it week in, week out, up and down the leagues, professional, semi-professional, amateur, the, the amount of wrestling that goes on. And I don't understand. I think from every single corner, and it, was, it wasn't just that. I mean, that one was one that, you know, could be argued. But every single one, there was quite a kerfuffle in the penalty area. And But the referee wasn't branding cards out. I mean, that, it stops. It stops if you start flashing the cards around. I don't think there was actually too many cards uh, in the game yesterday. But, you know, you've got to set a precedent, especially in that kind of a game when it's as heated as that. The precedent has to be started early. And, and for me, it, it wasn't. Um, if the, you know, if that corner had, had already come across and that was the challenge, then, yeah, it's, it's arguably, again, another penalty, but ball not in place. So, unfortunately for Derby, we can't uh, we can't argue that one. But it's, it's again, it's a rule that they keep trying to stamp, stamp down on but then they don't really do anything about it. So what can we say? But, you know, throughout the whole of the first half, there was plenty of other, chance, you know, half chances that, that Derby had um, in to to extend that lead. And obviously, as we go on to the next section of the chat, we'll, we'll talk about the second half. Before the next segment, I want to quickly talk to you about the Fan Hub app. Fan Hub are looking to put fans first and change the game, giving back to the real heroes of football, us the fans download the app now from apple or google stores and get involved predicting lineups checking on match days and check your fan statistics compete against fans of our club and other football teams let's help get derby county up that leaderboard also it's a great way to get media content from all creators across the fan hub family including our stuff at the rams review podcast for derby county Download today and you can avoid the queue using our unique code. Contact us on social media for more details and check out the FanHub app and website. Before we move on to our next segment, we are proud to announce that we are going to be partnering with two amazing organizations this year. First is going to be Flat Back 4 and the second is Six Yards Out. Flat Back 4 provide a wide range of club um, memorabilia with the kind of foosball four guys um, on it as well. Amazing clothing range. They've got some awesome Derby stuff. So go and check them out. And we'll be doing some competition giveaways um, and various different bits and bobs throughout the season. So stay tuned for that. And our second partnership is going to be with the Six Yard Out folks. They do some amazing different kind of bespoke gifts, all kind of things Derby County. They've got England mugs, Derby County mugs, and various different kits. And you can get them customized and have old players on them. Um, some really amazing things. You can use Rams Review. As a, as a coupon code there as well and get 10% off. Really proud to be partnering with two amazing retail retail partners. So be on the lookout for those um, and check them out if you haven't already. Um, again, that's that's Flatback 4 and 6 Yards Out. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the next segment. So bef- before we do talk about the, the second half, um, I just want to get each, each of your opinions of obviously going into the halftime, obviously con- probably contrasting opinions from, from the Derby's perspective. Uh, Corey, We've seen it before. Derby going one nil, a, a pretty solid, uh, if not spectacular, first half. Um, but th- there's still, with everything going on at Derby, of course, th- there is still that element of doubt that this team can can hold on to a lead. Well, we, we've proven four uh, four times out of five so far this season that that, that we can't. So you know th- those thoughts are justified. But you know your thoughts for going into half time and um, w- what you thought. Yeah, I think. 
for me, I was very impressed with the way Derby played. I thought it was the best half of football in fits and st- for about half an hour. It was the best half an hour of football I think we'd seen from Derby all season with the way they were playing, the interchange, the movement. Um, like I said, Juzviak had an excellent game. Uh, Lawrence was playing well. You know, Derby didn't have that recognized striker because Baldock's out injured. And you think, okay, well, Lawrence, you know, playing either in a false nine or as the nine, you know, yeah, it's going pretty well. I thought Forrest were poor. I thought Forrest... I expected more. I always expect more from these EFL teams, and I don't know why. <laughs> I just don't know why. <laughs> but um, I expected a little bit more from Forrest. I thought Forrest set off him. I thought Hewton needed to do something going into going in, coming out for the second half. Um, and there was also that element of me kind of toting up on my abacus here of how many points Darby needed to get to nine as quickly as possible in case there's a potential point deduction. And then all of a sudden you're sitting there thinking about that and you're going, yeah, this win, this win is really crucial. They really need this win because that's a difference between going, you know, let's say it does come, let's say it doesn't come. I don't know. Nobody knows right now because EFL do crazy things. It could be either negative one or, or negative three going into the, you know, coming out of the international break. If that's when the, at some point, right. I'm just assuming that it'll be done in the next 13 days. We know what people say about assuming things. Uh, so, yeah, and I was just kind of like, okay, good. Darby's playing well. I expect him to come out in the second half and 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 continue with what they were doing. And then, you know, I go get you know halftime halftime a drink or whatever, and I come back drink of drink of tea, not alcoholic beverage. And it's not. It was very early in the morning for me. I was not day drinking at eight o'clock in the morning. That would be, I would have a problem. Uh, do you, do you know back. what time I went out yesterday? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> um, and then Chris Hutton, I see him make a second change at halftime, and it was Alex Mighton. And I thought, wait a minute, Mighton should have been starting this game because he'd been, I'd seen Forrest a couple of times. He looks pretty lively, obviously, born in Connecticut, England under 20 international now. Um, and he comes on. And to be honest, everything in that second half came down Alex Mighton's side, which then begs the question. Why was Alex Mighton not starting? And then, you know, the game the game kind of changed from there, in my opinion, Jason. Yeah, it it, it did. It, I would have to say that the changes that were made at halftime for me made made a massive difference. And I don't think Derby actually started with quite the same vigor. But was that more so that you know Forrest again came at Derby out of the traps? Which actually, I think I think I'll, I'll admit I think that probably happened. Uh, George, I'll start with you. Then we'll, we'll go to you, Stephen. Those, those, you know, thoughts at half time from, uh, you know, st- another lackluster, really 40, 40 minutes of, of football um, from from Forest. What, what did you did you think there was anything coming in that second half for you? No, well, my thoughts at half time were there's a dead man walking. To be fair, um, I said to someone in the press box next to me, I said he's he's, he's gone away. Um, it was interesting hearing what he said after the game, um, having looked back at the game now. He said he, Derby's expansive style of play would leave spaces for us, which is, I suppose, when you don't want to lose a game, which you couldn't afford to do yesterday, that's probably a fair approach. But you've got to have pace to do that. And as Corey was saying, that base question why he didn't start Martin because he played Jao Carvalho, who is obviously Forest record signing, and he continues to divide fans three year, three and a half years on from joining. Um, he's not got pace, he's not got that burst of speed out wide, and he was fairly anomalous in that first half, hence why he came off at half time. Um, and then as you saw, Martin, you know, he moved on to that left hand side and he his, his speed alone just turns a defender. And I tweeted after the game, you know, when you can turn Jagielka and uh, Davis, who aren't you know, the, the what about 300 years combined age, you know, with all respect to them, when you can turn a defense, that causes a problem straight away with just natural speed. Um, so at half time, I thought Derby had done a number on Forest, to be honest. I thought the fans, as I said, Forest had a decent start after five, 10 minutes, but the fans really got behind Derby. And after that goal, it was only going one way. The midfield battles, if you can win the midfield battles in a local Derby match, you're halfway there to winning, I think. I thought Morrison, Shinny and Bird in particular were fantastic at marking. Uh, Carvalho out the game, Johnson out the game. Nathan Byrne pocketed Johnson that first half. I thought he was outstanding first game, but Martin, uh, first half, sorry, but Martin came on and, and you know, really causing problems. So at half time, I was um, certainly fearing the worst. I expected some reaction because I knew he'd make changes, but I just didn't see anything coming from Forrest. And I don't think many fans did either. 
Steve, I was a bit surprised that he put Alex Mighton um, on the side that he did. I would have thought he would have put Alex Mighton uh, against Craig Forsyth for the uh, for the speed purposes, because like George just said there, you know, Nathan Byrne, he's probably Darby's quickest. I mean, OK, yeah, he's Darby's quickest fullback because, I mean, it's Phil Jagielka and Curtis Davis. And I'd be quicker than them, but probably not. But. I thought he would have gone against Craig Forsyth and I thought that would have been a matchup that would have called caused Craig Forsyth some problems with, you know, Craig Forsyth's not, doesn't look the most athletic kind of guy. He's a bit lanky and, you know, he's, he doesn't have the pace that he once had. He's kind of getting up there. And I think, you know, if you go on that side with three kind of veteran players, um, it would have caused some issues. Steve, Alex Mighton and, and, and Chris Hutton's tactical changes. I agree with you. I, I would have tried to get Mighton on with, and going up against the slower fullback and trying to get more joy that way. But uh, I think that's just a preference of Chris Hewton. If you look at his teams, um, particularly from Brighton onwards, he's always played with inverted wingers, wingers that are cutting inside onto their left or their right feet from the opposite flank. And um, a good example of that was Sami Amiobi, who in his earlier days at Forest played a lot on the left-hand side and he's a left footer. But Hewton used to use him quite a bit on the right-hand side last season, cutting in onto his left foot. And I think that's just a personal preference of Hewton, really. I don't think there's there was any... I don't think he would have taken into account Byrne being the quicker fullback or Forsyth being slow. I think that was just how Hewton likes the team to set up. And to be fair, Martin, he did come down on the left-hand side a few times. There was the, the cross, which was probably the first time we really got in behind you. Uh, that came across for grabbing and his back heel flick that that was tipped away by Roos. So it did, he could go both ways, Mighton there. And I think he showed that in the game. He was just more of an outlet for us that we didn't really have in the first half with that pace and the ability to stretch teams. And he did also play a bit of a role in the goal, just picking the ball up and then laying it off for the cross. So um, I think Hewton will be happy with the impact that he made overall. Jason, I, I want to, Stephen just touched on something that I wanted to get your opinion on because we saw the good and the bad of Keller Roos in the second half because Lewis Grabbing has that tremendous backfield flick with tremendous athletic skill and football ability. And I think that would have beaten most goalkeepers. I mean, it didn't have a lot of pace. It didn't have a lot of spin, but it was an awkward height. It was an awkward, quick reaction thing. And Keller Roos did phenomenally well to crawl that off his line because that was a certain goal. Um, that was the good part of Keller Roos. And then you see the poor part of Keller Roos a little bit later on with Brendan, Brendan Johnson, which we're going to go into detail, but talking, talking through that save, Jason, because you were pretty much right behind the goal at the time. Yeah. Um, the, the effect that obviously might and had Bong managed to get further down the line from, from left back. I thought in that second half, uh, the, the crosses were coming, they were coming over and over and it, it was, it was always going to be, Something's coming here, and obviously that around that passage of play there. Yeah, you're right. It's the the extreme ridiculous save from Kelroos, but we know that that's what he can. We know his shot stopping is is probably up there with the best in the championship. Um, unfortunately, he then he does have this tendency to. I, I can only put it down to the fact that it's just he, he's not quite seen it. It's the only thing I can put it down to. Um, I mean, we'll go on to, as you say, describing the whole the whole move in a minute. But he's, it's not as if he's in in a wrong position. And from the looks of it, obviously, it was all kind of quick time. But it, he just he just gets the dive wrong. It goes directly under him. Um, I suppose when you know what is he t- 10, 12 yards out, something like that. I suppose you have to, in such quick time, you have to you have to make a gamble at, at where that's going. And he's, as I say, he's obviously just not not got down to it. I did see a few people saying that he should have done better with it, and one hundred percent he should have done better with it. Nobody really mentioned the great save that he made five minutes previous. That nine times out of ten, that would have made it one-one. And if Forrest had have scored at that point, I think the fact that Forrest, when Forrest scored, that there was only what seven eight minutes left in the game didn't really give Forrest the opportunity. I mean, still seven, eight, it only takes a second to score a goal in football, doesn't it? But I just think if it had come five, ten, you know, that five, six, seven minutes previous, that the momentum that would have would have 
given Forrest another, you know, 10, 15 minutes to go on and, and win the game. And as we've seen, Corey, Derby would have definitely have gone into the shell more than likely. And, um, you know, it, it could have not ended up a, a, a draw. But Kelroos has divided that opinion. I mean, there was one for me. Um, it was in the second half. I can't, it, there was a there was a block shot and it spun up in the air and it was dropping and it was dropping and it was dropping. And he stood right on his goal line. And I thought, are you going to jump for it or not? And then at the last minute, I thought, oh, that, it, it's just every time he, he puts that lump in your throat, every time he goes for a ball, um, obviously still, he, he is Derby's number one goalkeeper. We, we have to admit that now, Corey, he, he is Derby's number one goalkeeper. I mean, that's a, that's depressing. That's, that is a very depressing statement, <laughs> but he clearly is Derby's number one goalkeeper. So what you have to do is obviously you have to get behind him and, I think he made a couple of smart stops. You know, he made a couple of, um, I think he's, like you said, I think his distribution's poor, but um, he, he made himself busy from corners and coming out and doing things like that. But, you know, shot stopping is what a goalkeeper's for. You know, I say always one of the best in, in the league at it. Well, that's kind of what they're there to do. But for, for quite a tall bloke, he does get down. Uh, he, he does get down for those those reaction saves. Pretty, pretty good. He's, we've seen him do it uh, time and time again. But then... He will he will flap at one uh, a little bit or or you know struggle, but at least it wasn't as bad as all sops in the cup last week, Corey, where it literally went through his hands. So that is you know, true. He had he had like the nice he had his Sunday gloves on. They were holy. He did. Um, and I think Jason, how many also how many goalkeepers have man buns? Just as another as another uh, thing. Yeah. Do you like trust it. a goalkeeper with a man bun? I, I don't oh, I, know. I, I, I maybe I used to rock one. I I, I quite like it. I quite like it. But so Kellerus copied your style then. So you must listen I think to the so. podcast. It must do. It must do. But <laughs> yeah, it, it, that was the. But I think, it, in all fairness, I think you got not just the goalkeeper. I think you got some of the better defense d- defending from Derby yesterday. But then I think you got the totally ridiculous defending from Derby yesterday, which led 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 to the goal, didn't it? Let, let's face it. You've got four opportunities to clear that ball away, and then as soon as it drops to Johnson on the edge of the box, nobody moves. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it's probably two three seconds in real time. But nobody goes to nobody goes to that ball, and it's yeah, it, it was disappointing to say the least. Steve, but it George, was coming. I'm going to get your opinion on the on the Brennan Johnson goal in a minute. But Jason, I was a bit I was a bit I wouldn't say flabbergasted because I'm not paid enough to be flabbergasted by Derby County. But why why make the change? First of all, Juzviak played well. They take Juzviak off when Sibley looked like he was very tired and probably should have been the one to come off. You have Richard Stearman on the bench because, I mean, like George said, why not up the age of the of the back line even more? And he brings on Lee Buchanan, which was odd because I was like, okay, if you're defending high balls, if you're defending what, you know, you assume all these teams like with five minutes to go, they all go back to like caveman football and they're like, just put it in the box and let the big man get on it. So you figure you'd want another center half on there. It's a corner. You take off Juzviak, you leave on Sibley, who's tiring. And then Buchanan was like, I remember it was, it, it came off of a corner and the ball got kind of popped back out and then it came back in with Johnson. And I remember the setup for that. And I was just like screaming at my TV and I was going, no one's marking Johnson. Why isn't Buchanan marking Johnson? And then all of a sudden the ball comes across. Buchanan takes a step to the guy in, in line on the six yard box. And then, you know, Johnson takes a couple steps back ball kind of falls to him and Buchanan doesn't get out quick enough. And you're just thinking, why is Richard Stearman sitting on the bench there? Was that, was that odd for you, Jason, that he brought on? Obviously Buchanan did well in an attacking sense, but it was odd because normally when you see these tactical changes, they bring on a big center half to close the game out, to head it away, to kick. And you'd think that veteran experience is worth something. Yes, they're old, but yes, it's worth something. They, you know what I mean? They, they've been in this division for a long time for a reason. Yeah, it, it was a bit of a surprise. It was a bit of a surprise. I mean, what was we? 82nd minute. Um, and it's, But it's not just that one, you know, it wasn't as if Derby were controlling that second half and then that one chance happened. Forrest were on, the, they were on top of that game for, for that 10 minute period. So yeah, it, it, I must admit, I mean, he brought Lee Buchanan on and like you said, I'm not 100% sure why, even though really he had three fantastic chances in the last five minutes to put a to put a really good ball um over that you know, he just didn't do in the end oh from attacking sense he was very good but yeah uh, I, I would agree with you you know you one nil 
you you want I mean there's there's three things that you want your first win of you want your first home win of the season you want you you want to beat your rivals and we need as many points as we can so you know going defensive a little too early I think a lot of fans would you know forgive him for that if it, if it meant you secured the three points so yes it is a bit of a surprise that he, he didn't um but I say, I mean, as I say, Forrest were in the ascendancy for that ten, for that ten minute period. But I mean, there wasn't obviously any real clear cut opportunities. It was wasn't so. Maybe he just thought that you know they could they could see it out for what it was and 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 still catch Forrest on the break and you know seal the game that way. Maybe maybe just you know an inexperienced tactical decision that that cost him. But at the end of the day, it's not Richard Stearman's fault that, as I say, there is a couple of phases to that play and there are at least three opportunities to clear that ball. However, you may well do it um, before it ends up at the foot of Johnson in, in the back of the net. So yeah, um, it, it's, it, it's disappointing, but as I say, it, it was coming. I think it was coming, but uh, George, Steve, we'll, we'll get your uh, opinions on that. I'm sure that'll be obviously one of the happier memories uh, from yesterday. Um Talk to me a little bit about the player himself. I think he was out on loan at Lincoln last season, I believe. Uh, rave reviews from from what we heard. I know me and uh, me and Corey caught with a couple of Forest pro- podcasts earlier on this week to do to to do previews, and he, he was a name that got mentioned as a as a bright spark. What's he been like since he's uh, come back in from Lincoln, George? Um, he is a special special player. Um, in, in fairness, Forest poor start to the season um, hasn't really helped him because he's been unable to really showcase his um, his worth since opening day. Came through the ranks at Forest. His dad, um, David Johnson, used to play for Ipswich as well. Forest legend, really scored a lot of goals um, in 2002-2003. Um, when he first came through the ranks at Forest, he was a midfielder, seen as a box box midfielder or central midfielder under Sabri. Went out at Lincoln last season, scored a lot of goals from out wide, and he's now undoubtedly Forest's as well as Worrell, uh, most sellable. But you know, asset. If, I'm not probably negative and say they're selling, but you know, the highest rated player and. You know, the best asset they've got. Um, the first, I mean, I'm so glad he played on, on the on the wing because that's why I see his best position. He's been playing as number ten, but he's been anonymous really. Um, he's been too easy marked in the recent home games and the defeat at Stoke. But the first game of the season, when he's playing on that right hand side, he's so quick and such a strong runner, and he threatened to do that yesterday. He picked his first sight of the of the ball he got. He picked up the ball up on the right. And normally a winger would probably cut back and play. He just continued to run. He just put a shot wide of goal, um, fired across goal just wide. And, you know, there's a reason why the likes of Brentford and, you know, I think Leicester were linked as well. But Brentford are the ones who want him. And he's just got everything you want. He's young, he's strong, he's fast, he's very technically good. And I just knew as soon as that ball fell to him, I know it was a bit of an error from Roos, but I knew he'd score it because he only needs one chance to score normally. So special player. Um, I thought, to be fair, the goal was a terrible one to concede from a dog perspective. I think Bong got away with one as well because Bong's cross was too light and I think Stretton, it was, got a foot on it and that's what flicked it through to Johnson. So, um, no, very good player. Great to see him score his first. That's a good time to get his first professional goal. Uh, Garn did it last year and, well, not first professional goal, but Johnson's first goal for Forrest. So, um, great moment for him and his dad who was also in the away end. Um, so, yeah, uh, pleasing one from a forest perspective. Steve, limbs, limbs in that away end. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah, um, when you're coming from behind in a local derby and you score so late, it's, it's just a special feeling. Anyway, um, won't remind you guys of late goals at Pride Park too much, uh, but you know it's it's one of those where yeah, it's a young kid who's come through our academy. He gets what it gets what it means to play for Forest. His dad obviously was a Forest player as well for many years. And it was just a nice moment for him to be the one that scored that goal, which secured the draw and and, and got the first points on the board for us in the season. And I thought he took it really well. The ball coming across, it could have been very easy to to snatch at that and send it over the bar or drag it wide, but he controlled the volley and got it on target, which in that position is all you can ask for. And then you hope it goes in, which it did. So really pleased for him now. And I hope this season he, he he kicks on and he shows the improvement and the development that he has done for the last season at Lincoln. Corey, you're on mute. Steve, George, I want to ask you this from a Forest perspective. 
Um, I think from a Derby perspective, Jason, this game kind of feels like a defeat. Does it feel like a defeat to you or does it feel like a solid point on the balance of play? Actually, it feels it feels a little bit like a gut punch because Derby were so much in control in the first half. Second half, obviously a different thing, and you would expect Derby at home to, to win that game. I was hoping they would win it. Does it feel like a defeat to you, Jason, with, with the late goal, the way it, way it happened? Uh, or does it feel like a solid point earned and one yeah. point off the deduction? I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a, a, a point earned. Um, I think it, I, I know this is going to contradict itself. It, it does, it doesn't quite feel like a defeat, but it does feel like two points dropped. I know that's about the same thing, but, yeah. but that is what it feels like because Derby did okay in patches. I mean, well, no, they did, they did really well. I think the interchanging up front was was nice. And if, if you'd got somebody else up front to play off that, that I thought Ravel Morrison did did pretty well in midfield. The, the link Sibley ran his legs off. And so did Josbiak. I thought I thought that worked really well. And if it hadn't have been for one or two drops of the ball, may, you know, maybe, I mean, obviously we, we haven't touched on Stretton's chance in the second half. I mean, how McKenna gets anything on the end of that is, is, is incredible. Um, is, you know, yeah. hats off to that because that should be in the back of the net. 99 times out of 100 so um you know it's not as if derby didn't have their chances to put to put the game away so that that is the that is the slight disappointment but i i just think that for the second half basing it on play um derby didn't do enough in that second half for me um you know sometimes you get that when you one nil up um i i personally don't get this but i can i can understand the concept of Forest weren't necessarily pressuring Derby. So again, in that first half, there's there no real pressure coming from them. There's no real, there's no real energy. So why, why, why push something? Why overplay something? Potential to get caught out and concede. So Derby were quite happy to just sit there, knock the ball around, do, do what they needed to do. It gets frustrated in a, especially in a Derby match where you just, you just want them to go. You just want to, you just want them to go at each other for ninety minutes. That, that would be. That would be ideal, and if you know if the score's a cricket score, then fine. It's not necessarily an issue, but I think, yeah, I mean, the I think it's the head and the heart probably have a different answer as well. You know, the heart wants to win, of course it does, and it says that oh well, Derby should have won that game, and possibly they should have. I actually obviously looked at the stats after, uh, thanks to Sky, looked at the stats. They're identical. They're they're practically identical. I think there's two percent possession in it. You know, same amount of shots, same amount on target. It was it was a very even stat-wise, uh, even game. It didn't necessarily feel like that. And I actually think sometimes in these derby games, it doesn't necessarily feel like that. You don't realise when you've got a lot of the ball. You don't really realise sometimes when the opposition's got a lot of the ball. It's it's a bit weird when you're watching it. But I think they'll be. I think they will be disappointed to not come away with a win. I'm pleased that they didn't go on to lose it because we just know how fragile Derby can be. We they're they're still they're, they're starting to turn that round at the minute. They're starting to prove that they can um, defend well. I mean, there's one or two mistakes yesterday. One didn't get punished. One did. Um, but it is about in the bigger picture. It is about those points. We've said it. It's it's our it's our quote of of the season on the podcast. Derby have to take every opportunity that they're given. And, you know, maybe, just maybe, in the end, a point a point's probably a fair result. And I think it, it, it shifts now, obviously, to the international break and more importantly, that transfer window, which will finish on Tuesday, to see if how this EFL thing shakes out, if the nine-point deduction comes in and that unleashes the embargo, can Rudy bring in? We know he talked about bringing in as many as eight, nine players, which is unlikely in a couple-day couple period. Um, but, you know, Rooney's doing, I think, Rooney's doing the best he can with the squad that he has. There's gaps in this squad. We know that there's gaps in this squad. And, you know, from that, there are going to be disappointments. Darby going to win some games this season. They're also going to throw away games late. They're also going to lose games. We know that this is going to happen because of the, the threadbare squad. You look at Sam Baldock, you know, again, him and Kazim Richards, they're both injured. Baldock was brought in to spell Richards. They don't start with a striker. Stretton starts on the bench, which, while a surprise, because you figure you want to strike I can understand it because I don't, you know, it's, it's a big game for a young lad to come into. Um, George, Steve, I want to get same question to you. 
does it feel like a win for Forrest? Does it, does this take, and also does this take the pressure off for Chris Uton? And third question in the one question, does it allow, do the fans get off of Chris Uton's case a little bit now over this international break? And he has a little bit more breathing room. George, you first. Um, just touching on the first question, I think Jason summarised it well. I think when we, when the emotions are high and, and, they, and they start to settle down, you always look back at what your team could have done in a game and you always think, could they have done that better? You're always a bit greedy. You think, could you ask for more? You know, Forest fans will think, oh, if only that grabbing chance went in, if only Forsyth had um, been sent off, if, if only Taylor had scored that open goal, if only they just played well better in the first half. Derby fans will be the same, you know, if only that handball was given, if only Stretton had scored that, if only... They picked, I mean, to be fair, I thought the Derby fans grew a bit restless in the second half because they were giving the ball away too needlessly. So, you know, could they have kept that temper from the first half and second half? So I think the game was very, very, very evenly matched. I think uh, Derby, Forest started brightly first 10, then Derby finished the first half strongly. Derby started second half strongly and Forest ended the next 30 minutes strongly as well. So both managers thought a point were fair, speaking after the game. Um, just in terms of Hewton, I don't think that will get Forest fans off the back. I think the same amount of people still want him out, if not maybe even more, because you know one point from five games is not good enough still. Um, again, yesterday was performance of a team for a manager who could not afford to lose. I think yesterday, if they lost that, no manager recovers from an East Midlands derby, um, a, a defeat. Uh, so if they'd lost that, it would have gone. And the third question, uh, the second question, I think it was, will he, is that relieved a bit of pressure? And will he go? I think the next three days in the transfer market will be very telling because if they continue to back him with signings, then you can't work that hard to get players over the line and then sack a manager. Um, similarly, if they're sure to get players in, I get the feeling he might walk and there might be a mutual agreement because he's so focused on bringing in new players. He keeps saying every weekend, every week press conference, the squad is not competitive enough, which is fair. It isn't. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's more competitive than Derby's at the minute and every manager has to deal with um, problems and they could have done a lot more in a transfer window. But um, I don't know. I really, I'm really, i really not sure on whether he'll stay or not. Um, it's Forest at the end of the day, so they can make the most unexpected decision out of nowhere. And maybe with Dane Murphy now at the club, who you know well, Corey, American uh, CEO, he's now at the club and maybe there's a bit of more common sense going forward. So um, we'll have to wait and see. Jason, it kind of seems like Forrest is almost just as bonkers as Darby. Not as quite as bonkers, but nearly almost as bonkers with some of the strange decisions that they make. Steve, same, same three questions to you from your perspective. Um, pressure relieved on Hewton. Is Hewton gone? And, uh, you know, does it, feel like a, does it feel like a win to get, to get that late goal? I think in that position, getting the late goal, it feels... Yeah, it does feel like when I was preparing for the worst and Derby to go on and, and see the game out and to to get that goal when you do with six, seven minutes remaining. Yeah, it, it, it feels probably a bit more euphoric than if we'd equalised in, say, the 20th minute or the 30th and the game peters out to a 1-1 draw. So, yeah, on that basis, probably more, more of a win. Um, obviously crucial to get a first point on the board for the season. I think it relieves a little bit of pressure on Houston. Um, I think probably keeps him keeps him in the job for a bit longer, as George has pointed on there. East Midlands derbies, they can be the end of managers. And to have lost yesterday, that would have been five defeats in a row in the league. I think he would have gone after that. And certainly the way the first half was going, it looked like he was gone as well. I think it's relieved a bit of pressure, but the, the crucial... The, the the crucial measure of it will be the international break. And if new players arrive before the window closes and Hewton's still here in two weeks as manager, then I think they're going to back him for a little while yet. Um, supporters, I think the supporters are mixed. There are supporters out there who want that stability and who perhaps recognise that Forest are in a bit of a transition with Dane Murphy coming in. And we're going down a new approach where we're trying to sign young up-and-coming players under the age of 26, players who have resale value and a lot of a lot of growth, rather than signing players who perhaps have been on the way down, maybe have done it at the top end of the championship or in the Premier League, but they're 28, 29, 30, and potentially on the way down. So that's that's two different transfer strategies that we're sort of caught in the middle of at the moment. So um, 
there are though some Forest fans who just think a change is necessary and that change being a new manager coming in to give us a kickstart and a, and a different approach. So for me, the crucial thing on, on Hugeson's future is the next two weeks. If he's still here after the international break, then I think they're backing him for, for the foreseeable. And that, that, that in a nutshell, everybody, is, is practically everything. I think we've covered everything um, and covered everything nicely. And I think it's fair to say that, yeah, on the whole, unfortunately, you know, everybody wants a winner. Of course they do. But I think on the whole, like we say, it was, it, it was a draw and uh, that, that's that. So uh, that is all the time that we've got for this special re, uh, review episode. Uh, George, Steve, th- thanks very much for joining us. It's been, it's been a pleasure. At least, you know, there wasn't a winner either way. So, you know, the, the banter has stayed has stayed nice. Um, it's, it's been friendly, uh, as, as it would have been anyway, as it would have been anyway. But uh, yeah, guys, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. No, I'd say all the best for the season, but I hope, uh, you know, no football fan wants, you know, to have the season ruined straight away, you know, by the EFL or point deductions. I think the EFL need to get a bit of a better handle on that. So hopefully that all gets resolved. And um, yeah, thanks for having me on. No worries at all. Yeah, thanks guys. It's been a pleasure. No problems. Corey, obviously, as always, thank you very much, Corey. Thanks for joining us at this early time in the morning. And now you can forget about Derby County for two weeks. And um, Can I, though, Jason? Because we'll release this and then Derby will do something else. It will. To, oh, yeah, it will. You know, will. like, oh, Pride Park's burned down or I don't know. They've made a late swoop for Cristiano Ronaldo or something. I don't know. <laughs> Derby's a bonkers club. You're going to get you're going to get one or the other. I mean, it would be very Derby to sign nearly 40-year-old Phil Jagielka in the same window, and then some, like, boom, big money, big name signing as well, who's not 40 years old at the end of the transfer window, sitting on a nine-point deduction, which obviously would be, what, minus three now, because I think Darby has six points. So, um, but, you know, my hopes for the international break, Jason, hopefully they can get a couple more players in for, um, for the deadline, because I think the squad need them right now. And I'm also looking at and thinking, hopefully this deduction just comes and goes. We can move on. We don't have to talk about the D-word deduction anymore. You know, we can we can draw a line under this, like what is now a, like a like three, four year saga, Jason. I think since you started the podcast, the the EFL charge has been hanging over the head. So hopefully it'll be a new era where we don't have to talk about finance stuff. And we can talk about things that go on that nice, nice, green, lush field at Pride Park, the home of football, um, you know, uh, in, in the East Midlands as well. Just home of fo- home of football anyway. I mean, Wayne Rooney's <laughs> the manager, for Christ's sake. Um you know, and it'll be good. It'll be good to do that. Jason, one more question for you before we sign off. Was it warm yesterday at Derby? Yeah, it was. It was bloody warm. And why was Wayne Rooney in a polo, a quarter zip, and then like a heavy vest and a tracksuit? And everyone was in like t-shirts and he was like, oh man, it's freezing. Like he's I in said, the Arctic or something. It, 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 it's warm. It's warm in the Midlands up north. They're, they're a different breed from up north. Is he trying to like sweat it off a few pounds for soccer aid or something? They're yeah, like, maybe oh, got large jerseys left. You got to lose a few weight. He's like, oh Christ. Okay. Well, I know he shaved. I noticed he shaved the beard off. So thank uh, God for that. Thank. thank he's a yucky lung, young. But uh, yeah, my, my final point just before we sign off, I'd just like to at the end of the game, I'd just like to thank whoever the Forest fan was who tried to throw a pound coin at me. I caught it and I spent it in the pub last night. <laughs> that drink was on them. Thank you very much. <laughs> it wasn't me. I was in the press bar. I can't read from there. <laughs> yeah, he jumped in throw it at Kel Roos, Jason. It had gone in. Yeah, well, yeah. The the scenes at the end in, in that in the uh, between the two sets of fans was 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 entertaining. Let's let let's put it that way. But hey, that that's what football's all about. It's the first. It's been the first one in front of fans um, for for three weeks. Uh, sorry, three weeks. I wish for three years. Uh, near enough. Um, I suppose there is one last final question to ask. Uh, it only has to be a couple of words. Did everybody actually enjoy it yesterday? Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. I did. Uh, it's the first time I've been uh, to even the derby in the press box. So, uh, you know, taking it all in with fans, I mean, um, reporting on Forest. So it's the first time I've really been able to take it all in. And it was just, a, you know, we've missed it, haven't we? That's the game you look for, especially after 18 months away. That's the game you look for first. And yeah, it was a great, it was an enjoyable day. And um, yeah. And George, I'd ask you which stadium has the better atmosphere, Pride Park or the City Ground, but I don't want to upset your readers. So we'll, just, we'll just know he's he's winking everybody. He knows which one it is. So, uh, no, I've got I've got Twitch him, and now it's uh, there's only one answer for that. But I'm not. I've, we've had a positive uh, podcast. I'm not going to start any fight. I'm not, not going to come to America now and uh, start a fight. <laughs>
Steve, your final thought, enjoy it in the end. Yeah, I, I think it was so much better of having the fans in there and, and having that atmosphere. It, it made a difference in just your standard football game, let alone a, a local derby. So, yeah, I enjoyed having the game back and having it in front of the cameras with, with the full house. I thought that was pretty special, actually. I have to say I, I, I fully enjoyed it. Um, and before the game and after, long into the night, it was a, it was an eventful day yesterday. Uh, looking forward to the next one in uh, in a few months' time. But that is everything. Thanks for thanks for joining us again, everybody. And as I say, it's the international break next. There'll still be something out from us. We always put something out. We we just work too hard, Corey. Um, but I think the next the next game we've got is uh, a Friday night under the lights at St Andrews against Birmingham. So we'll have an episode out about that soon enough. And until next time, up the ramps. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch. On Twitter, we're at RamsReview1. On Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, up the Rams. The Rams Review Podcast are proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, putting fans first.